Welcome to LaGrave Avenue CRC's Sermon Podcast. The Psalms are there for us to turn to when we're experiencing different emotions. One such psalm, Psalm 88, is for us when we are in the darkest places of life. And it reminds us that we are still able to turn to God. You're listening to In the Midst of Deep Darkness by seminarian and pastoral care associate Chad Borsma. Our scripture reading tonight is Psalm 88. And as you're turning there, let me say that my relationship with Psalm 88 began a little over a year ago when I had a seminary class, Biblical Interpretation for Ministry, and we had to sign up to be in groups to delve into a passage of Scripture. And they were all challenging passages that was part of the task. And I love the Psalms, as I know many of you do as well. And so I thought, as I looked at the choices, I thought, well, I'll choose the one that's the Psalm, Psalm 88. And then I went and reread that, and I went, oh, that Psalm. But in the last year, as I've had time to journey with this Psalm more and more, I have grown to really appreciate it. And when Steve Schroeder asked if I would preach tonight, and I said yes, and then I thought, What's the, what's the passage for tonight? The Spirit led to Psalm 88. Also, I want to say a, a word of thanks to um, author and pastor Tim Keller. His work on Psalm 88 has helped um, grasp the meaning of this psalm even better. Before we read from God's Word, would you join me in a prayer of illumination? Lord, May your words, which are beyond wonderful, unfold before us to shine light into our hearts, to give understanding to our minds, and to provide guidance for our footsteps. Teach us by your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Psalm 88. Lord, You are the God who saves me. Day and night I cry out to you. May my prayer come before you. Turn your ear to my cry. I am overwhelmed with troubles, and my life draws near to death. I am counted among those who go down to the pit. I am like one without strength. I am set apart with the dead, Like the slain who lie in the grave, whom you remember no more, who are cut off from your care. You have put me in the lowest pits, in the darkest depths. Your wrath lies heavily on me. You have overwhelmed me with all your waves. You have taken from me my closest friends and have made me repulsive to them. I am confined and cannot escape. My eyes are dim with grief. I call to you, Lord. Every day I spread out my hands to you. Do you show your wonders to the dead? Do their spirits rise up and praise you? Is your love declared in the grave, your faithfulness in destruction? Are your wonders known in the place of darkness or your righteous deeds in the land 
of oblivion. But I cry to you for help, Lord. In the morning, my prayer comes before you. Why, Lord, do you reject me and hide your face from me? From my youth, I have suffered and been close to death. I have borne your terrors and am in despair. Your wrath has swept over me. Your terrors have destroyed me. All day long, they surround me like a flood. They have completely engulfed me. You have taken from me friend and neighbor. Darkness is my closest friend. This is the word of the Lord. And I encourage you to keep your Bibles handy tonight. We will look back at some of those verses as we delve into the passage. One of my third graders came to me a few weeks back during silent reading time with a large book in his hand. He opened it before me and he said, Do you know where Waldo is? For those of you who don't know, the book Where's Waldo introduces readers to Waldo, a man dressed distinctively in red and white who sets off on a worldwide hike. He travels to everyday places, the beach, the ski slopes, the zoo. This book features two-page spreads of the locations, and some are amidst the extremely crowded illustrations is Waldo. Readers are asked to scour the pages to find the lost traveler. It's like finding a needle in a haystack. Perhaps some of you have experienced something similar when you've dropped something on the floor, perhaps the kitchen floor, the bathroom floor. Maybe it's a small pill and the pill is similar in color to the floor. You can't see it, so you search for your hands. Maybe you grab a flashlight or the light on your phone. Perhaps you grab a ruler or a yardstick and try to fish underneath a stove or the refrigerator looking for it. Locating the pill can be like finding a needle in a haystack. When we read God's word, we are often searching as well, searching for good news. So much darkness and dismay fill our world that we long for words of hope, words that will lift our spirits. We long for a message of hope that cuts through the darkness. In our psalm tonight, finding good news is not easy. It's hard work. It too is like finding a needle in a haystack. The psalmist in Psalm 88 certainly does not have much uplifting news to share with us, does he? What is causing his downcast spirits? It's hard to say for sure. But there is certainly no lack of complaints from him. He says he is without strength. He says he is suffering from grief. He says he is lonely and cut off from others. Perhaps one of his more frequent complaints, though, 
is about death. My life draws near to death, he says, and I am set apart with the dead. The dead are forgotten, cut off, silenced, and our author feels he is experiencing a punishment like theirs. Are his concerns valid? Perhaps. But many commentators also think he is using a bit of hyperbole, exaggerating the details because he feels so down, so depressed, so discouraged. Look, for example, if you have your Bibles open at verse 15, he says there, From my youth I have suffered and been close to death. He's been close to death for most of his life? Probably not. As the readers of this psalm, however, we should not be so quick to dismiss his complaints. This person, for whatever reason, is in a seriously dark spiritual state. We should also notice who he blames for so much of his trouble. Look at just a few of these verses with me, beginning at verse 6. You have put me in the lowest pit. Verse 7. You have overwhelmed me with your waves. Verse 8. You have taken from me my closest friends. And verse 16. Your wrath has swept over me. Your terrors have destroyed me. Where does our psalmist point his finger? He puts all the blame on God. And when we consider the questions that he asks in verse 10 through 12, we hear a barrage of rhetorical questions similar to one might hear in a prison interrogation room. While Old Testament scholars estimate that two-thirds of the psalm include some type of lament, most of them include at least a verse or two of hope, of good news. Take Psalm 4, for example, the one we sang a portion of tonight during our prayer. It, too, is a psalm of lament, but listen to the last words of it, words penned by David. In peace, I will lie down and sleep. For you alone, Lord, make me dwell in safety. Contrast that with the final words of Psalm 88. Darkness is my closest friend. Tim Keller says it's like saying, darkness is a better friend than you are, God. To be sure, there is no sadder prayer in the Psalter than number 88. Many of us can think of families and individuals who have experienced sadness like that experience like the psalmist. They may have suffered from a broken marriage, multiple cancer diagnoses, or perhaps too many deaths in too short of time 
something that some families in our own church are experiencing lately. I also recall a member of a former church who experienced trial after trial in her life. First, her daughter-in-law was tragically killed. Then her husband was diagnosed with cancer, and he died from that. Next, her grandson-in-law was killed while he was on duty as a police officer. Then the police officer's wife, the woman's granddaughter, struggled with cancer for years until she finally succumbed to the disease in her early 40s. This woman could have easily said, I am overwhelmed with troubles. Darkness is my closest friend. Most of us, praise God, have not experienced trials quite that severe in our lives. Haven't we all, though, at some point, at some point felt a bit like the man who writes this psalm? Have we feared death when we don't feel quite right or health problems persist? Have we experienced loneliness after the death of a spouse and friends who were once close to us have drifted away? Have we used a bit of hyperbole when everything seems to be headed in the wrong direction? Life is hard. Let's be honest. And darkness, even for believing Christians, can last a long time. One of the lies, though, that some people believe is that if they give their lives to Jesus, they will no longer experience dark times. There's a hymn written by Isaac Watts, Alas, and did my Savior bleed? Many of you are probably familiar with it. In some hymnals, though, this hymn is called At the Cross because it contains a refrain a refrain written by a different author. And the words go like this. At the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light and the burden of my heart rolled away, it was there by faith I received my sight. And now I am happy all the day. Don't misunderstand me. If Jesus Christ is our Savior, we should have joy in our hearts. But just because we belong to Jesus does not make us happy all the day. In fact, if we go to the Gospel of John, chapter 16, Jesus tells us that what will we have in this world? We will have trouble. And in the Garden of Gethsemane, even Jesus was troubled in spirit. So who is this psalm's author, the one who is so troubled in spirit, the one who seems to think that his life is pointless? According to the notes beneath the psalm's title, the one who penned this psalm is Heman, the Ezraite 
Who is Heman the Ezraite? First Chronicles 6 tells us that there were men that David put in charge of music in the house of the Lord after the temple came to rest there. And the leader at the top of that list in 1 Chronicles 6 is Heman, likely the same Heman who wrote Psalm 88. He was a musician, the son of Joel, the grandson of Samuel. He was one of the pioneers of the singing guilds, the sons of Korah, to which we owe the Koralite Psalms. Psalms 42 through 49, Psalm 84, 85, and 87. These are some incredibly rich songs of the Bible. Songs that Heman probably had a hand in helping craft. Despite feeling cut off and remembered no more, Heman was used by God in marvelous ways to further his kingdom. His life was far from pointless. And as we search for a glimmer of hope in the midst of the gloom of this psalm, the needle in the haystack, so to speak, we should first notice that the psalmist does not forget who he is praying to despite his despair. At the very beginning of the psalm, verse 1, we read, Lord, you are the God who saves me. Commentator Derek Kidner says that this could be translated literally, God of my salvation, I cry out to you. Despite all the anger and the accusations that this author makes in the psalm, he still knows and acknowledges God, the God of his salvation. This, my friends, is good news. We too need to remember who our God is. And what does the psalmist do with the God of his salvation? Again, take a look at the text if you have it open. Verse 1. Day and night I cry out to you. Verse 9. I call to you, Lord. Every day I spread out my hands to you. And verse 13. But I cry to you, Lord. I cry to you for help, Lord. In the morning, my prayer comes before you. You would think someone who is in this state of mind would simply throw his hands up in despair or perhaps turn to some other source to bring relief, to bring some healing, to bring him some comfort. Especially when he seems to think that his prayers are unanswered. But that's not what happens. Heman keeps praying. Praying to the God of his salvation. His prayers may not be the perfect model for us, but he keeps praying. 
That's also what happened to the woman I knew at the previous church. Testimonies at her memorial service confirmed that she felt like she was in the pit during those years, that she couldn't sink any lower. But she continued to pray. She continued to look to the God of her salvation, and that is what led her through the deep waters. It seems that Heman also thinks he can't sink any lower, that he is experiencing complete and total darkness at this time. But that is not true. If we are believers in Jesus Christ, we can take great comfort that there is one who actually did experience complete and total darkness. In the Garden of Gethsemane, we hear Jesus pray, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Father, if it is possible, may this cup pass from me. And then on the cross, we hear him cry out in great pain, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus received the total darkness that Heman thought he was getting. And only Jesus received that total darkness because he took yours and my sins upon himself. Tim Keller says, Darkness was Jesus' only friend, so that in darkness we can know that Jesus is still our friend. Heman prayed during dark times. Jesus prayed during dark times. And it's something we need to do as well. For God is there in the midst of the gloom, even when we can't feel it. When things are not going as we had hoped, we need to keep praying. When the enemy appears to be gaining strength in this world, we need to keep praying. When darkness appears to be our closest friend, we need to keep praying. Let us consider again some of Heman's questions, this time in the light of Jesus' victory over the grave. God, do you show your wonders to the dead? Yes, he does. God, do their spirits rise up and praise you? Yes. They do. God, is your love declared in the grave? Yes, it certainly is. As Paul wrote, Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? Thanks be to God, he gives us the victory 
through our Lord Jesus Christ. Why did God include this psalm in the canon? Why is it there in God's Word? Where it can be read, sung, and recited for years? It shows us what to do in the midst of deep darkness. We tell the God of our salvation about our despair, our sorrow, and our hopelessness. Prayers in the dark, like those of Jesus, are more victorious than they appear. Amen. Thank you for listening to LaGrave Avenue CRC's Sermon Podcast.